Hi, everybody. Welcome to the August 7th, 2020 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Duzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to begin the program by tackling a very important issue that came up last week. For 28 years, we've been very proud to be the kind of program that provides thoughtful discussion about the issues in Colorado. We also take pride in being more thoughtful and, frankly, more polite than the kinds of programs that you see on cable channels. But last week, we failed to do that. There were comments said on this show last week that did not live up to our standard. David said that he wondered about what could be achieved with future protests regarding the death of Elijah McClain unless the mob of people were getting together to lynch police officers. Later, he called NBA players the real puppets of the slave master. His comments were not appropriate, and they were harmful. Participants and viewers of our show that have themselves experienced racist violence or have loved ones who have. Terms associated with racist violence should not be used trivially and should certainly never be used to vilify any groups protesting racist violence. And as a moderator and this program's executive producer, I did not do my job in responding in the moment. So that's why we're taking this opportunity now. On this show, we value different perspectives and opinions, but the words we choose matter, and we do not value language that crosses over into harm. We are taking steps to hold our panelists and ourselves accountable to maintaining healthy debate and dialogue. We talk on this program about how easy it is to go to our perspective ideological corners and simply say that anything said by someone we disagree with is wrong and anything said by someone we agree with is right. I am sure that some will look at this situation through that same lens. That's not how I see it. I think this program stands for productive conversation between people who may or may not agree, but that conversation must be respectful in order to be productive. The words we choose to say matter. To assume otherwise is foolish and, frankly, wrong. So where do we go from here? First, I'm going to do my job better, and so will all of our panelists. I've asked David not to be on the show this week and next, but he is invited to be back in two weeks. I wanted to make a distinct point from where we were and where we are going, and I want to make this commitment to all of you, our viewers. We're going to do our jobs better. You, our audience, deserve nothing less. You give us the privilege and honor of sharing 30 minutes of your time with us every week. We need to honor that by doing our best. And I am here to say that we will. Okay, with that said, let's get to our program. Topic one, Aurora police made national headlines this week. Officers pulled over a black adult driver and four black children passengers, allegedly for suspicion of driving a stolen vehicle. The officers made the four children, ranging in ages from 6 to 17, lay face down on the asphalt, handcuffing two of them. Newly confirmed Aurora Police Chief Vanessa Wilson apologized to the family and said the city will pay for the children's therapy. Patty Cahoon from Westward, we start with you. Um, this was uh, a really difficult video to see uh, and uh, the very first test for a newly appointed uh, police chief uh, Vanessa Wilson, how do you think it's going to work in Aurora? Well, Vanessa Wilson has been the interim chief for seven months, so she has had some time to realize just how much trouble she's in in that city. But it is impossible to beat the visuals of little girls, including one with a crown on. They're on their way to get a manicure manicure party lying on the asphalt. So she came forward fast. That was good. She dealt with it. I think she has the strength of will to do what needs to be done there. The question is, can you turn that police department around? And talking about 
turning the police department around. We talked about Elijah, uh, Elijah McClain last week. We have a cover story this week by Alan Prendergast talking about so many of the problems that were made there. And the simple fact is the investigations that are going on can indeed find many problems and not just with how the police officers responded. And you could argue they should be fired for how they responded, and I think they, the investigations will find that out. You also look at huge conflicts of interest in the coroner's office. There should be actions taken because of that. You see the use of ketamine. There should be studies of that. So we all have a lot of lessons to learn from what happened with Elijah McClain. And we're coming up on the anniversary of the tragic stop of him on the streets, his death, and we should all really think about what we're doing in this state before that date comes. And I also want to say, how are you enjoying being mayor, Mike Kaufman? <laughs> uh, an excellent question. Uh, Penfield Tate, former state lawmaker, also attorney with Tate Law. Uh, a lot of people may come into a job officially and get handed difficult situations, but uh, the new police chief in Aurora, uh, I, I, I'm not sure I can script anything more difficult for one of her first days. And uh, to Patty's question, Mike Kaufman, who's only been mayor in Aurora for a few months, uh, this is not an easy situation. It's certainly not in the manual of how you handle things like this. No, no, it isn't. And for the new chief, uh, <laughs> welcome to Aurora, <laughs> to Mike Kaufman. Patty's right. How do you like being mayor? But the other thing that's required is an acknowledgement. We didn't get here by accident. You know, when I saw the Elijah McClain situation and saw this situation with the young girls, which in my mind was inexcusable. Police had immobilized the car, so the stolen car wasn't going anywhere. So no one needed to be handcuffed face down on the ground, especially little girls. But there's a history behind this. You know, I remember back in the 80s and 90s, my father, who was a civil rights lawyer, we sued the Aurora Police Department for excessive force on a case that went all the way up to appeal on a writ of certiorari to the U.S. Supreme Court. So these problems with excessive use of force in Aurora are not new. They're cultural, they're systemic, they're longstanding, and the new chief has her work cut out for her. But so far, I've been encouraged, and, and frankly, when I see Omar Montgomery, the head of the Aurora NAACP, say publicly, we have confidence in this new chief. We think she's the right partner who will be respectful of and responsive to the needs of community, I'm encouraged. So we'll see what happens, but not a good first week. Natasha Gardner, freelance journalist, joining us remotely. Natasha, uh, we talk often in this program, Aurora is uh, first a large city right next to Denver. What happens there is a big deal. Uh, clearly, we have some pivotal people in our community, in their new police chief and uh, in Mayor Mike Kaufman, uh, there to make a, uh, an impact in the community one way or the other. How do you think it's going to go? Well, to continue on uh, a little bit with what uh, Penfield Tate was just saying about Omar Montgomery, he's such an interesting person to look at because not only is he uh, a huge leader in that community, but he came this close to being the mayor of Aurora last year um, that, in that very contested race between him and Mike Kaufman. So he's a person who not only has lived in that community, who understands that community, but has also thought about how he might have run that community and how um, what works and what doesn't in the city. I think the the 
echoing sentiment here is that this is a new person who has a lot of work um, in front of them. There are some indications already that she's not going to just be business as usual. Um, coming out ahead of that, the, the photos that were taken at the protest and, and um, reprimanding those police officers pretty immediately before the internal investigation has been done. You know, she came out pretty quickly and had a statement about what was happening in this car stop, which is just very, very um, disconcerting. And, and as a as a mother, it's difficult to watch. Um, but it's not enough. And I think that's what she will have to focus on. But the, the citizens of Aurora and, and all of the state of Colorado needs to pay attention to. Uh, this is not... in situations that have just started um, in recent months. These are things that have happened over years. And it's not just enough to say what we're going to do to change things. We really, as municipalities, as, as organizations, have to make change happen and make that happen quickly. Krista Kafer, a Denver Post uh, columnist, uh, joins us around the panel, joins us remotely. Krista, it's wonderful to have you back on the show. Uh, Krista, we, we know what kind of uh, leader Mike Kaufman is. He is, has been a part of the Aurora community first as a congressman for a long time. Uh, and we know a little bit about the new police chief since she was an interim for so long. As you're looking at the progress moving forward, uh, what do you think about those two particular leaders and what they'll be able to do in the city of Aurora? Mayor Mike Kaufman is a wonderful mayor, and I have nothing but hope that he will do a great job. He loves, absolutely loves Aurora. And Aurora is a city worth worth loving. I mean, it's diverse, it's interesting, it's thriving. As for Vanessa Wilson, I, I think she needs to be commended for her bravery in even taking that position. So it's a, a, a difficult position, no matter what city you're the chief of police with. But in terms of this city, you've got the, the backdrop of uh, the tragedy with uh, Elijah McClain. You've got, uh, as Patty mentioned, a, a need to look into ketamine and its efficacy or uh, lack of e efficacy. We don't know. Um, and the other backdrop is rising crime as well as uh, and, and rioting. Um, some very dangerous people there. So how do you balance uh, doing good police work, avoiding the kinds of errors that we have seen with regard to these kids, handcuffing kids? You can't think of a worse Worst thing to do to those kids, but also uh, shooting, kind of shooting yourself in the foot as a department. Um, but on the other hand, this mandate to make the community safer and better, those uh, finding that fine line between being a, a community partner as well as the enforcer of law is not an easy one. And so I commend v Vanessa Wilson. I, I just think she's an incredibly brave woman to take on that task. Error. Monday was the deadline for turning in petition signatures to get measures on the November ballot. This week, Fair Tax Colorado, the group behind a measure to lower taxes on Coloradans earning less than $250,000 a year, announced that it will not be submitting enough signatures, blaming the COVID-19 pandemic. Meanwhile, the group The Real Fair Tax, which formed as a response, announced that it believes it did collect enough signatures for its measure to lower the state income tax from 4.63% to 4.55%. Additionally, the paid family leave measure is expected to have enough signatures to make the ballot. Uh, Penn, as a uh, seasoned uh, uh, elected leader, you know that a lot of ballot measures are sometimes there for uh, the impact of the laws they'll create. And sometimes they're there just because of an election, whether to bring out a certain base or to fight off another certain, I don't know. So looking at what we think is probably going to be the uh, 10 to 11 ballot issues, anything that stands out to you that 
will probably make an impact in November. Sure. If the family leave measure does make the ballot, that's clearly designed to bring out the more progressive liberal vote uh, in the hopes of helping um, Hickenlooper primarily in the Senate campaign. I I don't think there's much of a chance of, of Donald Trump prevailing in Colorado, but stranger things have happened. Um, and, and I think Hickenlooper's taken on water. Uh, and I think some of the ads about the ethics issues have his campaign concerned, the National Committee concerned, and so that ballot measure helps. The, the one on the real fair tax is designed to bring out a different crowd. Um, and it's unfortunate because I know that it was intended as a response to the more progressive measure. But if it passes, it's simply going to add insult to injury, because in light of the, the, the pandemic, we've already seen state and local budgets shrink significantly because of, a, a, of reduction in tax income and revenues. And this is simply going to exacerbate the problem. Um, and it's too bad because the last time as a state when we permanently reduced uh, the state income tax, we were broke within two years. Uh, Natasha, we're seeing a, a lot of issues we thought would make it. A lot of issues that, uh, I don't want to say fizzled out, ran into some pretty unexpected issues, including the pandemic. Um, from what we're looking at this as a potential ballot lineup, what are, what, what are the headlines striking you most? Well, I'd start with what a difference a few months make. If we were having this conversation in December and January, we would have been talking about how voters would have essentially a whole booklet (laughs) as a ballot this year. There were so many initiatives that were sort of on the table, and obviously not all of them have made the final cut, um, and some are still being counted and moving in that direction as well. I I think that there's a lot to be learned here. You know, in a pandemic, this is something unprecedented. How were they going to collect signatures? How difficult was this going to be? Um, Governor Polis tried to make some adjustments to allow for some uh, collection by email and um, by mail. And the Colorado Supreme Court said, no, that's not going to work. So people tried in whatever way they could. Um, It's interesting to see what drew people out um, to still put their signature on initiatives, although that I don't think will be a direct correlation to what overall voters decide. I do want to call out, though, not on a statewide level, but on a local level, there are some interesting things that people can do to collect signatures in this time. And specifically talking about the um, efforts to rename the park to La Raza Park in Denver here, they actually had souvenir pens. So people had one-time use. They took the pen home with them so that there was um, no concerns about sharing of pens. And then they have a souvenir to say that they were part of an effort to change um, the, the name of this park. Krista, there's an awful lot of ballot issues. I mean, Colorado is known for it. I think Colorado and Oregon are the two states that really always have a, a healthy amount of ballot issues. From what you could see that we think will make the final ballot, uh, anything standing out to you that will impact the election, whether bringing out uh, bases or uh, just simply as a law that uh, will make headlines? I'm excited about this next election. There's a couple of ballot initiatives that I think are great ideas. So you've got an initiative to give Colorado voters a voice on the fees that we pay. Sometimes, I'm not going to name names here, but sometimes lawmakers will have an idea about putting a new tax in place, but rather than calling it a tax, they call it a fee. And so I'm excited that voters will actually have a chance to to vote on those fees, to actually have control over that, to kind of eliminate that sleight of hand that some lawmakers have been doing. You know, and I also think that uh, a, a reduction in income taxes might be a good thing. We're in an economic downturn. 
Letting people have more of their own money to spend is certainly a, a great, probably the best stimulus plan you can have. People will spend that money. People will uh, use it to improve their lives. And then, of course, that will have effects for the economy. The one I am the most excited about is an initiative to end the tragedy of late-term abortion. And I, I was actually part of getting those signatures. And we had the challenge of getting signatures right after the end of the shutdown. And so when people weren't getting out and a lot of creativity there, no awesome pens. That was, that, that's a great idea. But I, I remember I, I drove, I took a 16 hour drive and drove all around the Western part of the state, picking up petitions from rural communities. And it was, uh, it was exciting. And I think it shows that there's a great bipartisan commitment to ending late-term abortion. And so I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about the idea of doing something bipartisan. We are in a, um, a highly partisan time. These other initiatives, whether it's fees or, or taxes, uh, family leave and so forth, tend to be somewhat partisan. So to be able to be involved with other people who just say, hey, you know, we, we can't do this. The late term abortion is way too extreme. So being shoulder to shoulder with Democrats and Republicans, libertarians and others is a great it's a great experience in this very partisan age. Patty, wrap it up for us. Lots of ballot measures that we'll be likely talking about for several weeks to come. Well, first, I have to point out to Krista that we have an amazing pen already at the table. And Krista, <laughs> well although <said. laughs> I truly appreciate your efforts on that, I have to disagree with you very politely. I'm not for that ballot measure. I hope it goes down. We've got, some, and, But it will bring out a lot of voters, and I think that's always good. The more voters, the better. We've got the wolf, you know, the wolf ballot measure, which will also bring people out. But I want to take a brief tangent, which is this is why mail-in voting for Colorado works so well. Who wants to go to the ballot box, even in a non-pandemic era, and read through all these measures that, I mean, at least we're not going to have two fair tax ballot measures, but they get so confusing. To be able to sit at your home and actually read over the ballot and decide what things mean and maybe look them up, we're a more informed electorate, and I wish President Donald Trump realized how well it's worked here in Colorado. Senator Cory Gardner secured a major victory this week when President Trump signed the Great American Outdoors Act. Gardner was a co-sponsor of the bipartisan legislation which fully funds the Land and Water Conservation Fund and addresses the maintenance backlog at national parks. Gardner faces a tougher road ahead in the coming weeks at confirmation hearings for the acting director of the Bureau of Land Management, William Perry Pendley. Natasha, we start with you on this one. Uh, a, a good week for Gardner. He was not the only Colorado politician like the leader involved in this bill, but uh, certainly got the headlines and was at the, the, the act signing ceremony into law with President Trump. Um, a good boost for Cory Gardner. Yes, I think you're right. Um, very specifically, he got the headlines um, for this. And and what's interesting is that, you know, this couldn't have come at a better time for him. This is a point in the campaign where people want good headlines. And um, so he got those this week. But as you mentioned, it's going to be um, different news coming up as, as these confirmation hearings happen. But just as the election continues, honestly, I think Coloradans care about this, especially right now during this pandemic. I think we've learned how important the 
outdoors are to us, um, both on personal levels, but also from an economic perspective, it is going to be a big part of our economic recovery. So all of this will be setting up things well for us as we continue to move, um, hopefully sooner rather than later, out of this pandemic. However, I think the bigger headline that's going to come out of all of this is his influence or um, participation in the conversations about the stimulus package. That's what's really going to be the thing um, that I think voters are paying attention to within the next few weeks. Krista, a good week for our uh, Senator Cory Gardner. He's having a great week. I mean, this is a, a great action. Coloradans love their outdoors. Also, the state is back into a drought. Of course, drought doesn't just have, uh, hurt uh, farmers and uh, stress cities, but it, 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 it hurts wildlife. And so to be able to go in and uh, finish up this backlog of repairs to our national parks, to be able to give them the tools they need, also the funding of the fund uh, to make sure that we're able to conserve land and water is is also very, very important. I also think he's having a great week in terms of, I think his star is rising. His opponent, uh, John Hickenlooper, as, as was mentioned earlier, is having some difficulty with the ethics allegations. And, uh, you know, his, his star may be falling. So I have to say that it's a great it's a great time for Senator Cory Gardner, and I think it bodes well for him come election time. Patty, I wasn't shocked not to see uh, Senator Michael Bennett, uh, who was also part of this bill, uh, not at the uh, ceremony signing ceremony, but um, he's not running for re-election, so a snub at best, but it doesn't impact him. The impact for Gardner could be impressive. What do you think? Well, it's certainly not going to hurt, but it is not going to be enough, I don't think. And what we're looking at. One month after the election, we've got the 50th anniversary of the EPA. Those who really care about what's happening in lands to lands across this country will be paying close attention to the Pendley confirmation issue. And there's a lot of there are a lot of things to discuss there. So that's going to be a problem. You can't fault this act going through, though. That's a great thing. It's a win-win. It's bipartisan. And the people will win because our national parks are being loved to death right now. They are so busy because of the pandemic. They need the maintenance. This is good. And we can applaud whoever it came from. Penn, wrap it up for us. You know, the passage of the act obviously is a boost for Cory Gardner. It plays significantly in his TV commercials for re-election now. But his fundamental problem is the campaign is his he's too closely aligned with Donald Trump. And unfortunately, this this pending nomination of William Perry Penley just highlights the problem. You've got a person who has been the acting head for a number of months. Now he's going to be the acting head of the BLM for a period of time because they'll do this and there won't be time for confirmation. But this is a guy who the indigenous community considers him racist. Um, He has. He has published um, that we should renege on treaties with Indian tribes. He has fostered policies to he's actually disagreed with the Justice Department that wanted to ensure that Native Americans could vote. Uh, And so he's opposed those measures. And and so uh, that's going to, I think, be a problem for Senator Gardner. And and these, you know, it's a good thing there won't be a confirmation hearing right away. That's all I can say, because it, it will be a circus. Well, it is time for our very favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. Well, I'm going to head out to Denver International Airport, which maybe should be named Boondoggle. We had problems at the airport 
long before the pandemic, although I'm sure the cost overrun, the time overrun, will wind up being blamed on the pandemic. But we're at the point now where the project really can't be finished. They're talking about not being able to move the new check-in security areas or not finish them off the way they were envisioned in the grand plan. That is an outrage. I would like to suggest that maybe we should change the name. You know, Stapleton, which was named after an airport, after a mayor who was a member of the KKK, maybe Stapleton could just pick up Denver International's name name and be boondoggle or maybe Ferrovial, the first group that was doing the Great Hall. Penn. All I will say with respect to Patty's disgraces, a year and a half ago, some of us told you so. So <laughs> I'll let it go at that. You know, I'm still appalled by two things. Number one, the city's inept response to the homeless situation and the fact that this situation's been building for years and now we're taking extreme measures and it's, and it's not working. Um, and just the impasse in Congress um, with this whole stimulus package. You know the entire nation's hurting. Grownups just need to sit down around a table and figure it out. Natasha, we go remotely to you for your disgrace of the week. Well, I could just say 2020 in general, but in a year that has brought so much pain and suffering and unfortunately death as well, the news this week of the loss of life out of Beirut, um, even as we're taping this morning, there was a, a plane crash in India. It's just these, the scope of, of devastation has been, um, of course, difficult and sad for anyone to watch. That video out of uh, Lebanon was it, worse than movie special effects. You only hope that it was, but it wasn't, sadly. Krista. You know what? I'm going to give it to the I'm going to give it to the Colorado Teachers Union, Colorado Springs Teachers Union. They had a uh, I'm going to call it a rally, the signing Watch us sign our will rally to protest the returning of school. And I realize that some people are nervous. I'm returning to the classroom in a couple of weeks. I'm a I'm a college instructor. And yeah, it, there is some trepidation there. But I feel like that particular rally and the way it was done is a slap in the face to teachers, parents, uh, students, and of course, all of those workers who've been working all along, nurses, bus drivers, and uh, you know, all kinds of workers who have been with the public, working in the public, and have not complained. Time to say something nice about somebody. Patty. Well, Dominic, I'm going to say something nice about your statement at the start of this show. As someone who has to wrangle a lot of very different voices every day and take responsibility for whatever nutty things they say at Westward, I know how hard that can be. And I also want to thank all the watchers of Channel 12 who, through the years, I've been here for 28 years, I've been here through lots of controversies, and people have stuck with us and they like this show because we have conversations about important things. We disagree, but we try to do it civilly, and that's what Denver should be about. Thank you, Patty. Penn. Uh, I agree with Patty, but a special shout out to Greater Park Hill community for last night after a marathon meeting voting to approve and support the proposed charter amendment to protect open space. Natasha, we go to you. In the pandemic, people have lots of goals, but I got to give a shout out to the runner who climbed up the first flat iron in record time. Um, and, and to anyone who's working on those pandemic goals right now, whether that's sourdough or personal baths or, or just making it through the day, congratulations on reaching those goals. Here, Krista, we're off to you. All right. I'm going to first of all say that Natasha has got a great new haircut. She looks fantastic. And uh, I just want to say I'm just happy to be back with everybody. Everyone here is so incredibly thoughtful, and it's been it's been months since I've been on the show. So kudos, great haircut, Natasha, and kudos to everyone just for being awesome. 
Krista, thank you very much. Uh, that is all the time we have for Colorado Inside Out this week. Thank you very much for watching. For everybody here at PBS 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Good night. We'll